0: Welcome to Laughing Your Mask Off, the podcast where we talk to comedians about navigating the world of comedy since the pandemic. I'm Catherine Cowan. And I'm Carly Palestina. And today we're talking to the too confident, very Canadian, Michael Harrison. Yeah!
1: Ooh,
0: welcome! <laughs> hey. Thank, you.
1: Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. I, I got, am I the only guest who cheers for himself? Well, <laughs> Honestly,
0: I don't think we've had a guest who hasn't cheered for themselves
1: ah okay
0: so awkward if they just sat there they they were like yes it's me (laughs) 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 well happy halloween yeah
1: happy Happy halloween
0: Halloween. to our listeners who are going to hear this on november 1st it will no longer be halloween i hope hope you all had had a great time it's true happy november 1st to them All right, let's, uh, so to start off, um, Michael, tell us a little bit about yourself, like where you're from, how did you get started in comedy, how did you end up as a comedian here today?
1: Oh, I was born in uh, Regina, that's where I'm from, so I was born there, and then when I was in Saskatoon, uh, it's such a long story to be fair. What is it? we there was no comedy clubs where I'm from. So I I moved over to Saskatoon after like, I don't know, grade four. I fell in love with stand-up after seeing a Damon Wayne special, right? Because like that blew my mind. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I saw this special where where I don't know, he talked about fucking just ahead. And I couldn't believe a human being could do that in public. And then the public would react by laughing. It blew my mind. The whole idea of what stand up comedy is was insane. And, uh, and I loved it. I thought that was like so cool. So uh, I became obsessive with it and I started uh, watching tons of it. And then finally, I, um, what is it? There was a thing in the paper that said, Do you think you're funny? Come on out to rehearsals and, and perform. And I did. I went out there and performed. They had a spot for, for an amateur on a pro show. And, uh, oh man, I bombed so bad. Yeah, it was epic. Just cause like, I mean, I was a 17 year old at the time and I remember like the audience was full of weightlifters and, uh, <laughs> I was, I was on stage talking about like, you know, sex. Cause that's all 17 year olds think about, but I was a virgin. So it was just <laughs> absolutely dumb. You know, I'm telling all these people what sex is like. And uh, I don't know a thing, but uh, yeah, that was my first performance. And and no lie, too, there was a girl who came in late, uh, so she missed my performance. She was like, I think eighteen. Yeah, she was like the uh, the niece to the comedy club booker. She sat next to me, and she's like, "Oh, did you go up?" And I was like, uh, "I was like, yeah, yeah, I uh, I did pretty well. I don't know why." <laughs> Uh, and then later she, uh, she made out with me and that was my first kiss. And I was like, this is what stand up comedy is. You just get kissed after shows like beautiful women. Hasn't happened since. But man, that first time
0: <laughs> I was
1: addicted. Uh, so yeah, that's how I think I got into it.
0: What's so- I think I answered
1: all three of your questions. Did I get them all?
0: yeah yeah what's so right. funny is i actually don't think you're the first male comedian to come on this podcast with that story <laughs> and oh. i don't know how that's possible I mean,
1: that's hilarious do. really <laughs> yeah who, who else is uh made up with someone on their very first set
0: maybe you and our listeners Should go Ah. and listen to the other episodes and figure it out. It's true. Maybe my memory is wrong. Maybe it's a marketing ploy. Who's to say? say? (laughs) Um, Why was the audience filled with weightlifters?
1: Oh, it was like a gym nearby. And uh, when the gym got out, yeah, they just all went drinking. So that's where I'm from. It's just... You work out and then you celebrate by totally destroying the effort you just put in. You know, uh, it's a very counter counterintuitive process. But yeah, it was like a bunch of weightlifters who like worked out together and then they'd fill up this bar afterwards. Or so I was told.
0: So when did you make the relocate? So you are set in New York now, right? Yep. So when did you make the uh, switch to here or the move? People say move, people move. Yeah. You know. Switch. yeah. Uh, What's but- this location? The <laughs> location switch,
1: <laughs> I know. This is like, uh, I feel like I'm talking to you to um <laughs> the border right now. This is great. How long have you been yeah. here? You know,
0: that's <laughs> what we're here for. We're actually undercover,
1: yeah. You got your ice, you're very yeah. sweet looking version of ice.
0: We front is a podcast, yeah. That's yeah, what exactly. That's how they, yeah, that's how they get to get <laughs> that.
1: How to catch an immigrant. All right, I got you uh yeah i five years now i've uh i've been out here in five years and uh it's actually very difficult to be an american you'd be surprised like i had to first off it cost me ten thousand dollars right yeah ten thousand and you guys could have said no that's what i still like irritates me is like even though i got in if you guys told me no and i lost ten thousand dollars like i'm pretty cheap so i'm like i would have I would have to join the Taliban. I don't know. I have, I but and by yeah. you guys,
0: he means me and Carly. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you know what's funny is now I'm waiting for Carly to say, you'd be surprised how many other guests have said that, right? Jeez, yeah. like, they always bring up joining the Taliban.
0: Everyone's <laughs> always like, I was either going to come to America or join the Taliban. It's always it's, the one Yeah, gather. exactly. It's
1: only one what of two, two options. The
0: two in the world, the two options. Those are yeah. the. I side with American, but I'm a little biased.
1: (laughs) I mean, it is hilarious because like you guys like I love I think uh, this country is like sort of not full of itself. That'd be rude to say, but like very overconfident and you guys love showing it. And it's very funny. But yeah, even the process to get in here, I had to prove that I was unique and extraordinary. And I'm like, come Uh, on, on average, how many Americans do you see be unique and extraordinary every day? Like (laughs) I saw I saw a guy fart. Once you know, and then he yeah. high fived his friends Like, how, where are we at with this?
0: All right, so, um, you moved here, yeah, to they were in America now. What, uh, what, like, where in your comedy career were you? I love like these about?
1: establishing questions, by the way. So now you're here, and now you're in America, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. In
0: case you missed it, podcast listeners, you're <laughs> in America now, <laughs> it is currently now, so and we're here. And now you were previously in Canada doing yes. comedy and now you're in America doing comedy. At what point of your comedy career, did you, like where, where were you in, in your comedy career where you were like, I actually think I need to move to a different location.
1: Um, uh, so funny. I moved so many times in Canada too, right? Like I moved from Saskatoon. I went to Toronto and uh, from Toronto, I ended up in Vancouver for a few months. Then I was in Vancouver or Edmonton, sorry, Edmonton for two years Then Toronto for two years before I immigrated here. But uh, so, yeah, I think it was always in my handbook just to like move around until, you know, I got a bunch of work and got a bunch of things going. So, yeah, that was maybe a weird strategy, but it ended up working. And I realized I had to come to America probably after I shot my half hour special and then did just for laughs, because after that, it's like, what else does Canada have? You know, like most of our TV roles were really more small roles, bit roles. Yeah, you because know, they like cast out of L.A. the big stuff. And then when they come to Canada, they like, you know, the government insists that obviously they have to use this required amount of Canadian talent. So, yeah, those are all the smaller roles. So and if they do hire a Canadian for a larger role, it's out of L.A. too. So, yeah, that's where we were like. You know, it didn't make any sense at this point. You know, now that I did like basically everything by by doing Just For Laughs and doing uh, my half hour special that I was like, okay, now what, you know? So yeah, yeah definitely then. So right after Just For Laughs, I, I started working on it. But yeah, it took about a year, year and a half.
0: Could you tell us more about your, so you did Just For Laughs and your half hour special. Like were those, is that what you're saying? Like you did that one and then you started working on the half hour special or like how did those go? And, and how long and, ago was this? Yeah
1: uh i did my half hour special in canada was like eight years ago eight or nine years ago i think uh and i did just for laughs maybe s- s- six years ago maybe yeah about six years ago so uh the half hour sp- i mean the half hour special was i don't know russell peters launched off that half hour special like those ones uh harlem williams did it yeah it's it was like a big deal in canada but uh what was the question? I'm so sorry.
0: Um, it was more just like tell us about both of those things. Like, oh, just really tell fast. you
1: about it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was like trying to it's answer fast. something. <laughs> I realized I don't know what I'm supposed to talk about. Um, uh, uh, honestly, the half hour special was like one of those things like when you're a kid and you're watching specials and you're becoming addicted to stand up, um, you know, having one of your dreams come true, at, like I think it was like, yeah, 26 uh, was insane insane. You know what I mean? It's and not only that, but it's like I had family. uh, I had like a lot of chapters of my life show up to watch that. And that's a very surreal feeling to walk onto a stage and then see, uh, you know, obviously like my mom was uh, was to the right. And then in the corner, I used to scout models and actors and a few coworkers from there. And I once worked at a coffee shop and a few coworkers from there and some high school kids who happened to live in Toronto at the time they were there. And it blew, it blew my mind, I remember thinking, like, wow, that all these people are in this room, you know, because of me. This is how they're going to all meet each other. And, yeah, it was, like, a bit of an intense feeling there. Um, I mean, when I look back on the special, obviously, I, I feel like, you know, the material doesn't represent me. So I'm sort of embarrassed <laughs> when mm-hmm. I look back on it, uh, as you should, I think, with your first act. But uh, all in all, it got me so much work and it blew, it blew me up very well in terms of like getting a lot of, a lot of opportunities afterwards. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm super thrilled I did it, super happy about it. And uh, I mean, when I did that, like obviously I did also an album and I just finished another special back in March for Drybar. Like the knowledge I learned from watching that first special, uh, like for instance, any comics watching this, uh, you do a special, everything is like, people always talk about how music is so um, overproduced and whatnot. Comedy specials are overproduced. They really are. <laughs> All right. They are. I've I've seen comedy specials where comics bombed and you can't tell, right? Because you could easily cut out edits and go to audiences and they'll sweeten it for you or whatever. So the best thing is like not only kill and be funny on your special, but I always take that moment just to, pause in between your jokes so you know that the editor can take those quick edits and be able to manipulate your special to make it look the best it can. right? So like yeah. after watching the first one where I'm talking so fast and I'm like, man, that is annoying to watch actually when you're when you're that. Uh, as opposed to seeing a comic more in control and telling the jokes and then doing that, so the editor has times to you know switch it and edit it to better camera angles to show you know either the audience, or a different side of you perform the joke, which would be, you know, I guess a a better looking side or better looking angle. Uh, Yeah, those type of things.
0: Oh, how does that come up like to tape a special? Like does someone approach you? Do you like how how long is that in the making? What's the process like? It's
1: actually a showcase. There was a showcase uh, that I did and I just killed it. Um, Yeah, I I remember having a really good set. And then there was, uh, yeah, then I was one of the ones picked and I was informed about that. And, you know, my whole team was excited. And then uh, we went through with it. And then I remember I was in a comedy competition (laughs) like like a month later. And one of the judges was the scout of that competition. And then I ended up crushing the competition and won. And it was hilarious because I remember she came up and just like, congratulations. She hugged me and she's like. Uh, I don't know if she was joking, but she's like, now I feel even better about booking you, you know, <laughs> like, like, it, <laughs> like wasn't, she wasn't sure the first time. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that was uh, that was sort of how it is. Same with Just for Laughs. Like, I think we're both familiar or all of us are familiar with uh, how Just for Laughs travels across the country, mm-hmm. uh, both America and Canada. And they set up auditions where they they watch you. And then, you know, if they want you, they, they pick you. So that was the same thing with that for me. And just for the last two, I should talk about quickly. Absolutely. It was like one of those festivals, like in Canada, we had TV shows where, you know, like Norm MacDonald and, and Jim Carrey and Tim Allen, Robin Williams and Jonathan Winters and all these like, there's this plethora of comedy greats are, are performing uh, on this TV show in these like, you know, five to 10 minute uh, sets. And, you know, in Canada, like we grew up with it. And like, wow, this is insane. And even by watching that and, you know, letting Just for last girl in my head is this amazing event. When I actually did it, it was better than that. <laughs> it, it's the only experience I could say where I was like, holy crap, there were like 30 shows a night. Uh, everyone was running around. It was like this. Everyone was getting drunk. No one went to bed earlier than like, uh, you know, 9 a.m. the next day. And, uh, and yeah, it was, everyone was an equal. Like, I remember watching like Greg Proof's podcast and like right next to me was Alonzo Bowden. Next to him was Mark Mayer and next to him was Bill Burr. And we we're just, we all belong, you know, it just, it's an intense feeling. So yeah, like Just for Last, for instance, is, uh, that was wild. Yeah, I had a great time there, you know, so uh, this year was actually my second time doing Just for Last, And far worse obviously you're <laughs> we <were laughs> online so I was in my house like this is not the experience uh, but but still great you know they did they did what they could and it was great
0: speaking of being online so you were doing all this pandemic uh hits yep what did you find your like how was your comedy life what was your comedy life like during the pandemic
1: um well yeah I mean, <laughs> First month was savage. <laughs> Watching your whole industry implode. Mm-hmm. Uh I will say this, I I did a 9 week tour uh where was it? I headlined through Australia, uh then I went over to Washington, then I went into Vancouver and then I came over and did Toronto and finished up in Burlington, Ontario. And then I came over back to New York on March 15th. And that was the exact day where I think everyone everything collapsed so it almost looks like i did it yeah because it was so <laughs> proud of my schedule
0: first, listeners
1: yeah right oh, I was like, was not positive. only that i went through seattle that was like the number one hot spot vancouver was like one of the number one hot spots in canada as is toronto and then in new york i had a oh my god it's like it was chasing covid it felt like
0: um, <laughs> like the covid tourists yeah like the show storm chasers yeah, yeah
1: exactly <laughs> Uh, and then, and then after that, get it. After that like the, the whole industry imploded. Right. And I was like, good, I need a break. Like that was my first thought. I was like, I just did a nine week tour. Maybe this is good. But yeah, I saw my dentist, everything. I was prepared to go into a pandemic, you know, like I had literally did everything right before <laughs> all of our stuff was taken away. I got the haircut. I got like dentist. I, I made a ton of money. Uh, and then after like the first month, yeah. Like I think I watched, <laughs> I've never seen breaking bad. So I binge watched breaking bad. Nice. Uh, yeah. So I finally caught up to 2012. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, and then, yeah, I started panicking, you know, I think I, I hardcore Great. started panic. Cause like <laughs> things weren't like opening and I'm like a workaholic. It, like, I don't think I could turn that off. You know, it was a, uh, it was a, yeah, I'm already looking at like, man, maybe I need help because, like, you're right. Like, I was all of a sudden like, what am I gonna do? And it was like seeping in. So then I started making projects, and I just started working like crazy. Anyways, you know, like I started learning how to make a website, and I was really bad at that, so it took me a little longer. So that's good, you know. It took me, I think, like almost a month of like finally getting everything down where where I was happy um and then i didn't even put it up that's the best part oh, no. <laughs> i didn't even put it up uh but i know what a widget is so life is great and then um and then after that like i what is it there's a a, a buddy of mine introduced me to this guy named rob Rigo, and rob lived in the neighborhood so i would start going over to rob's place uh when we weren't supposed to you know after hours and because uh, I needed to talk to people and whatever. And since we weren't around each other, we just trusted that our, four, our group of like three, four comedians didn't have COVID. Yeah. Um, so that we could only hang with each other. That way we don't spread it. And that way, you know, I could socialize and like laugh. And that's like sort of when TikTok came out. Um, I mean, yeah, and then all of a sudden I started making TikTok videos with them just for fun, uh, which grew into me sort of like trying to learn my social media better uh which grew into like i think near june uh i I was told about an snl audition uh for a writer so i wrote a whole packet um for that and i told my manager to submit it so she went to an agent to submit it and uh, the agent i remember read the packet and uh, told me he didn't like it said it was really bad And I was like, he didn't say really bad. He was much nicer than that. But he's like, yeah, he didn't like it. But I took it as like really bad. I was like, what are you on? Right. Uh, That's that's cruel. So, yeah, he didn't want to submit it. So I contacted my agent in Canada and told them to submit it. And they did. And like one of the big one of the sketches in there, he he said was really was really rough was uh, a sketch I wrote called Where's My White Privilege? where he's like, I don't understand why these, like why you'd even take on a topic, like a race topic. And uh, and he, he just said it wasn't funny. And it really bothered me because like, I know these sketches and I was like, I could visually see these things. Like it was burning me how much I could see, like the sketches I made. So we submitted a July 15th and on July 16th, I was like, oh, I'm not likely going to get hired or anything. So I'm going to just make them now, you know? So I made the first one, which was Selfish History Channel um it ended up getting so many like it it, it did really well for me it got a lot of views and uh and a lot of my friends you know wrote me a ton of compliments telling me oh this is good and I'm surprised and blah I started to realize how how cost effective it is to put together such stuff now Mm -hmm. you know like just to shoot things in 4k uh it's it's so much cheaper these days so even with your phone you could do it you know so I did that. Then my next one was one called basement Biden. And I turned that into a cartoon and another one for my pack. It was hungover morning show. That was the one everyone liked. That's the only one that I made that I felt like didn't turn out well, you know, like that was the only one where I was like, I could see the mistakes, you know, mm-hmm. but I put it out anyways, just cause you know, some of the ideas were good. It wasn't bad by any means. I was like, Oh, I can still see this on SNL. It's just like, it wasn't just not the highest quality that I expected. It's cause like, I made some mistakes realizing that talk show formats are actually somewhat more trickier than I thought. Um, then after that, like I wrote I wrote one called Delusional Man and I shot that in Edmonton because I just got covid and it fucking I lost like three weeks of work. So I, I had to for a week I was like quarantined. And then after that, I was like, well, since I lost all this work, I might, I might as well make make a sketch out here. So I made one called Delusional Man. And I started getting like, uh, you know, I started learning about like uh, acting awards and whatnot. And I started submitting to a few film festivals with that one. And I got into a couple and and I was like, oh, that was that's interesting. You know, so that was in the back of my head. Uh, And then another one I would wrote in that time was called Mean Jenga, because like I always felt like the game Jenga is a game that celebrates like not a winner, but the one loser you know, like only one person loses, everyone wins. So it's like, what a horrible idea for a game. So I was like, let's make a sketch on it. So I wrote a sketch up for that. I shot that with like so many of my friends. It was uh, a super fun, super fun sketch. And then uh, the last one was uh, Where's My White Privilege from SNL Packet. And I decided to do that. I put that together. And then that ended up uh, getting me just for laughs this year, as well as winning several awards. So yeah, that was like sort of how my pandemic went. Like I just started creating, creating, creating. And even then now, um, there was a a TV show I pitched uh, to Trudy TV, like right before the pandemic. And uh, it was called uh, Character Debates. And it was a a show I always wanted to do where it was like a game show where comedians debating character. So as soon as like I started doing all of these projects and realized like I could create whatever I want, like I don't need to wait anymore for people uh i started going back thinking about that and i've now turned that into a podcast that i think is like besides you guys one of the best podcasts <laughs> nice
0: yeah. wow, yeah. wow. It a lot.
1: yeah so like my pandemic was was super busy because like i say alcoholics don't stop or, i'm sorry workaholics don't stop, alcoholics <laughs> don't stop. <laughs> Those things are true,
0: i guess i <laughs> <laughs> can't spell pandemic without productive Yes,
1: you
0: can um, <laughs> oh but yeah so now we're kind of in this amorphous like pandemic's still a problem but not like a lock yourself inside tape deal um what are what do you have going on now like, um
1: you- now
0: like, yeah like since the pandemic ended how is your life ended since comedy's been back in person and everything what are you still doing your sketches like what is your life Oh yeah yeah
1: this is like maybe one of the best years for me like, I mean, 2020 was turned out to be like, I did a lot of great stuff then too. But this year it's like, I did my special in March because everything I did in the pandemic all grew into things. You know what I mean? Like, where's my white privilege? Like, obviously that came out this year. So I got Just for Laughs. I got the Hip Hop Film Festival. I got uh, Houston Comedy Film Festival is where it's at next uh, next month. I won an acting award. Uh was the gold award for best actor in New York. Wow. Um, so yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, I just sort of, This year has been great. So I got a TV show in September. I did a small role for a Universal show. And then, um, yeah, like now it's my big focus is uh, character debates, the podcast I made, because like I say, I I mean, the sky's the limit. Anyone can do anything. So, yeah, I just want to keep going. So, yeah, it worked out like just working a lot in the pandemic really helped right when the pandemic stopped. I think you'll notice that like if you didn't do anything during the pandemic, might have stalled when you came out of it because like there were a ton of comics that came that felt like came into being during the pandemic when they were putting on like <laughs> park shows
0: mm-hmm.
1: and i mean that transferred right when the pandemic stopped because they had all this momentum and they started getting things so yeah it was it was pretty interesting but i felt like that's sort of how it went for me like 2021 turned out to be uh, a pretty fruitful year in terms of like all of a sudden i got all these different projects that they used to never do You know, like or anything. So, the pandemic was really challenging me on a work front, and yeah, I just went with it.
0: Awesome, that's exciting. Right? Um, Yeah. So now, um, now that you you have all this experience, all this great, lots of great things going on. What is your what is either the best advice you've ever gotten, or on the flip side, what is some advice that you would give aspiring comedians?
1: Ooh, or, okay, I'll do the first (laughs) one. Or
0: both, whatever, advice. I'll be lazy, I'll do the
1: first one. Let's do the first one. I mean, like, (laughs) uh, yeah, oh man, one of the best pieces of advice, I remember uh, me and a buddy want to go to a karaoke bar where most of the best advice is given. And (laughs) uh, (laughs) we go in and I remember we sat down and this waitress came up and we were jacked. We really wanted to do karaoke, right? Uh, and my buddy's like, hey, we just, uh, we just wanted to sign up for, for karaoke, right? And she's like, oh, it's it's done. You know, uh, it, we're not doing it anymore there. He did like a cutoff. Uh, but did you guys want any drinks? And we're like, sure, we'll get a drink. And I felt very, very sort of dejected. I was like, oh, that sucks. Bummer, or whatever. And uh, my buddy looked at me and he was like, are you actually going to listen to her? And I was like, oh, she works here. And he pointed at the DJ and he's like, that guy looks like he's in control of everything and she doesn't know who we are. So why don't we just go find out if we can get it? I was like, okay. And so he walked over. All of a sudden, I see the DJ laughing as my buddy's whispering in his ear. And then he came up to me and he said, I think we're last. And then he introduced us last and we had a great thing. And I, I remember him specifically telling me, remember, never let anyone tell you what you can't do, because they're just going to tell you what they can't do. So go find out yourself. And oh. that's always stuck with me. So yeah, now I, I take very little criticism to heart. Uh, I take very little opinions to heart, and I just go do my thing. But yeah, that was the one of the best advice I ever got in my career.
0: Awesome. Great. Yeah. Um, so we actually are wrapping up. So finally, is there anything like social media wise? You sound like you have a lot that you could promote, anything you want to promote here to tell our listeners to check out.
1: Um, my dry bar special is coming out next year. So if you remember, <laughs> if you remember, please uh go go check that out. Um, but no, my podcast. Um, once you're done listening to to this podcast, you should try out my podcast. God, it's called Character Debates. We have tons of amazing comedians on who debate in character. And we have episodes like uh, Baby Hitler versus Doc Brown on Should Time Travel Exist? We have uh, coming up, we've got Britney Spears versus her dad, James Spears, on our overprotective father's heroes. We have uh, a talking dog versus a party idiot on Who's Man's Best Friend? We have uh, (laughs) Aladdin versus Genie on Our Three Wishes Enough. It goes on and on. So it's a very creative podcast uh, with me, Jake, Jake Vivera and uh, Drew Dunn. I'm super proud of it. And I think it's hilarious. So if, uh, if your base likes podcasts, check mine out.
0: Awesome. awesome. Oh my Whoa. God. Jinx. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, that was cute.
0: <laughs> <laughs> We've been so on it recently. It's We've insane. done that so much in the past It's like, a lot. <laughs> We spent too much time together. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Yeah, thank um, you. And all of our st- listeners go go check out all of Michael's stuff. Yay! Yay! Thank you. Thank you for listening to Laughing Your Mask Off. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and leave a good review. To keep up with our hosts, follow Catherine at Katherine.cowan and Carly at ProlyPolistina on Instagram. See you next week.